We're privileged to have Jerry Tyon with us today. Jerry is the national ministry leader for the Canadian National Baptist Convention. Uh, so he is the, uh, the head of our denomination that we're a part of. And we've invited him here to share with us today to hear a little uh, from him about what's on his heart and what God has uh, given him to share with us uh, here in the service this morning and also uh, during our Sunday Life Group time. So Jerry, come on up and uh, let me pray for you and then you can uh, share God's Word with us. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for Jerry and for uh, the ministry that you have called him to. And we pray that you would bless him, you'd anoint him, you'd given him strength to speak clearly from your word this morning. We ask that we, you would help us to receive all that he has for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's very exciting for me to be with you. Um, I've got a chance to greet uh, the other congregations this morning, and uh, and that was good. I, I underlined with them that I landed uh, last night to a nice Vancouver spring evening, and uh, I woke up this morning and thought I was in Calgary. And uh, But it's good to be with you. Um, I have two uh, hobbies. Uh, I think everybody should have a hobby, and I I really have two. One is uh, one's fairly active, and one is just completely couch potato. Uh, I love hockey, and since I'm four, maybe three years old, I've cheered for the Montreal Canadiens. And I'm sorry, I know I'm in Vancouver, uh, but uh, I also realize you have a lousy team this year. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but now our team is really coming on here, and uh, last night we beat the Rangers 4-1. Uh, that was really good. Anyway, we've had five in a row. I'm just bragging here. I just Anyway, that's my first hobby. I have another hobby, though, and that is uh, I'm a gardener. Uh, I love to garden. I, I'm more comfortable in overalls than in a suit. I feel bad. I should be up here in overalls, really, actually. But I love to garden. I grow... I have a little greenhouse. It's on the seminary property, and I grow all their bedding plants for them. So all kinds of flowers from seed and so on, and I make them baskets and so on. But uh, I also grow uh, three vegetables in my greenhouse, uh, peppers, uh, tomatoes, uh, and cucumbers. And in Calgary, if you tried to grow those three plants outside, it would be crop failure. It's just too cold at night, and those plants actually need a little bit of warmth. And so I actually know a ton about growing tomatoes, especially. I'm kind of worried about that because I'm 63 years old. I've learned a ton, and I don't have anyone to pass it on to. So I figure I'll just get some of this in my preaching, and uh, <laughs> no, that's not really it. Um, but I... When I went to seminary, I had a professor, and the professor uh, said he, he had all pretty normal ideas except for one. And the one crazy idea this professor had was, he said, I don't think Jesus actually was a carpenter. The word in, in, the, in the Bible for carpenter that refers to Jesus can also be used for gardener. And so I know it's a rare thing that it's used that way, but I'm just thinking that Jesus 
knew a lot about gardening. And so, as you read the Gospels, see how often Jesus refers to plants and sowing and gardening. And uh, in the passage that we're going to talk about, which is my favorite passage, my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, John chapter 15, there is a ton about gardening. Uh, Jesus actually talks about fruit. I think it's about eight times in this chapter that the word fruit is is talked about. And uh, so that you guys know that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, A tomato is actually a fruit. I know you think, well, it's a vegetable. No, it isn't. It's a fruit. And, and so we'll get into that a little bit later. But the first thing that Jesus says in John chapter 15 is, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Vine dresser, some of yours will say, but some translations will just say gardener. And so the first thing Jesus says, and I think he's probably in an area where there's vines. He says, I am the true vine. I like the songs that we sang. Uh, Jesus is the only one, you know. Um, Jesus is the true vine. Every other vine is false. What does that mean? What that means is that if you're connected to something else, if you get your life from something else, if if, if your energy is coming from something else other than Jesus Christ, you're wasting your life. It's never going to work. You can invest your whole energy into your job, into your education, into getting things or having money or buying things or having a big house or a nice car. By the way, I love trucks. Like I, it, it works for me to live in Alberta. Uh, that's the only place where you're not, you unashamedly can get in a truck and consume twice as much gas and nobody else cares. Um, if I did that in Vancouver, I'd, I'd be embarrassed, wouldn't I? Uh, but the fact is, there is only one way to get life. There's only one way. The only possible way for a human being, any human being, on earth to have the best quality of life. Now, I'm not talking about having stuff because that doesn't really work. I'm not talking about having power because that doesn't really work. And Jesus' point here is very clear. There's only one way to get life and it's through me. If you're not connected to me, if your major energy of life, your life-giving essence, does not come from me, if it's not connected to me, if I'm not flowing through you, then you're wasting your life. You will never have a life that is worth very much if you're putting it in everything else but Jesus. He's the true vine. But the next thing is, uh, His Father is the vine dresser. The gardener. Now, I don't know if you know this, but let me tell you the main preoccupation of a gardener. 
There's two things a gardener does. The first thing is a gardener prunes. A gardener, a, a person who wants to get the most out of the plant is committed to pruning almost every week, sometimes every two or three days. And the other thing that a gardener does is a gardener tries to create the environment, the natural environment, for the, the plant to produce fruit. So, number one, a gardener prunes. What does he say in this passage? He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are, you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. You have a lot going for you if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the first thing you have going for you is that you have a gardener who's going to work on your life. He's going to look where you produce fruit and He's going to work it out so that you produce more. God is committed to you growing. God is absolutely committed to changing you, to making a difference in your life, to transforming you. In Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 28, it says that everything works for the good of those who love Jesus Christ and are called according to His purpose. And then in verse 29, he says, this is the purpose. The purpose is that you would be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God wants to do in your life, He wants to make you like Jesus. He wants your character to be like Jesus, your behavior to be like Jesus. He wants everything in you, everything that you do to be like Jesus. Now, if you're like me, I'm thinking he's got a lot of work to do. It doesn't take me long of any kind of examination of my life and my motives and my heart and the selfishness that is in me to know that God has a tremendous amount of work to do in my life to make me like Jesus. I'm not like Jesus. I need God to do what? To prune. You say, What's all this pruning stuff? Uh, let me tell you about tomatoes. How many of you grow tomatoes? Okay, look, i got lots of people here that grow tomatoes. If you grow tomatoes, especially if you grow them in a greenhouse, there's not much space. And so you want to get every inch of your greenhouse in production. So you know how, how wide, how much space to give each tomato. But the most important thing is to make sure that suckers don't grow. You say, what do you mean? Now, those of you who are tomato growers, you probably know what I mean. Uh, this is how a tomato grows. There's a stem, there's roots, there's a stem. And then there's a leafy branch on each side. And then the next branch will be a production branch. And then above that, there will be a, a stalk like this, a leaf like this. Right in between there, there is another plant that wants to grow. And so in between these two like that, 
There's a little one that's going to be just a tiny little thing that's going to sprout. If you don't get rid of that thing, it will hurt your production. I'm just telling you, I've done this for 25 years. This I know to be true. And so, what do I do every two or three days? I go and look at all my tomato plants one at a time. And I start pulling them out. Flick, 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 flick. Then I go to the next one. Flick, 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 flick. I get a little, you know, little bunch of tiny little tomatoes. You say, well, you're, they're babies and you're killing them. No. Those are things that will grow and they will suck the energy out of your life, out of your tomato. And if you want big, beautiful tomatoes, nice clusters, one after another, then you want to get rid of those. As human beings, we have those little suckers. We have them in our lives. I mean, they will try to drain our energy, our time, our commitment, our life from Jesus Christ, the only true vine. And God will go into your life and He's going to try to get rid of them. Now, who's the one person who can kill them? You. In fact, God actually needs permission to kill them in you. Now, I'm just telling you, if you resist God in this, if you resist God in His purpose for your life to make you like Jesus, it will not go well for you. Somewhere along the way, God will get your attention. Some of you right now, it could be that God has got your attention. There's some things that are happening and you're trying to say to yourself, maybe there's some things in my life that have to go. They're little suckers and they're draining my life from me. They're pulling me away from Jesus Christ. Let God flick those. Let God trim those. Let God prune those. Because that's what He wants to do. And so that's the first thing. I don't know where God is pruning your life, but I guarantee you every single person here, God is in the process of being the gardener in your life and He wants to prune something from you. Even if you have been married for 50 years, God still wants to do it, doesn't He? He is amazing that way. He is never satisfied. He wants to make us like Jesus Christ. And so how is He going to do that? Remember I said pruning and creating the environment. What's the environment for Christians to grow? Verse 4. Abide in Me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in Me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in Me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from Me, you can do nothing. In a greenhouse, what do you need? Well, you need sun. That's the first thing. You actually need some kind of growing medium. And so I mix my own soil. I have a secret mix that I will not tell you about. <laughs> and it is a great mix. Of, it, it just produces tons of tomatoes and tons of cucumbers 
and tons of peppers. I'm picking nice, big, green, red peppers right now. That's bragging, isn't it? I can brag about gardening. That's, that's the only thing I should brag about. But anyway, uh, and so and you need water, and you probably need some kind of fertilizer, organic or inorganic, whatever you use. Um, what does a Christian need to grow? It's really, really simple. Abide in Jesus. What does the word abide mean? It means remain. That's literally what it means. It means we're, you're in there with Jesus, you're together with Jesus, you're connected to Jesus Christ, and you stay that way. You don't let anything rupture the connection. The illustration that Jesus uses is very simple. Um, if, you had, if you've had any kind of experience in any kind of vine growing, like grape or vine growing area, you know that uh, vines grow very rapidly. Uh, it is amazing how fast they grow. And if you go and visit a vineyard around this time or even earlier than this time, you'll notice that they have trimmed the vineyard down to the point where you're wondering if the thing is even alive. I mean, they trim it down to the point where there's a stalk and there's maybe two laterals and then maybe one or two or three little pokey things, you know. And you look at that and you think, is that thing even alive? If you look at it in February... But if you look at it in October, it is completely overflowed with leaves and with vines and with grapes and everything. And so between probably April and October, it had that much growth. What do they do then in December or January? They cut them all down. They cut up all the branches except for a few little pokey things, right? What do they do with the branches? They either, I mean, if it's an environmental place, they don't burn them. They just haul them out to some compost area. If it isn't, they burn them. Where I lived in Modesto, California for a while, they burnt them. When they burnt the branches in Modesto, California every year, the whole place smelled like smoke. There were so many branches. What does that mean? The other thing that I learned See, I, I grew up in Saskatchewan. And in Saskatchewan, I have never seen a vine grow. So the whole time I grew up in Saskatchewan, before I moved to California, I didn't know what a real vine looked like. I thought it was just a tiny little spindly thing. And so one day, as I was traveling from Mill Valley, California, to Modesto, California, where they grow, there's tons of vines there, I, I was looking out, it was in January, I was looking out into the fields and I saw these big gnarly trunk things and then these, you know, like little spindle things, you know. And I said to the person, what is that? The person was a native Californian. He said, are you kidding me? You don't know what that is? I said, listen, I'm from Saskatchewan. <laughs> like, ask me about wheat, you know. Uh, anyway, he said, it's a vine. I had never pictured this scripture rightly. I had 
you know, there's a little spindly, little viney thing, and then two little spindly things like that. No. No, that trunk has been growing for a hundred years in California. That thing's a hundred years old. Jesus is actually comparing. He said, look at those trunks over there. That's me. Look at the branches laying all over that have been cut. And every year they cut them off. And they lay them down. That's you. You see, if you're not connected to the big, thick, gnarly thing, if you're not connected to the true vine, Jesus Christ Himself, then you are just going to die. I mean, spiritually, I don't mean you're going to hell, uh, but it means that your spiritual vitality will be completely drained. It's like cutting a branch in two days. That branch is all withered up and the, the leaves have fallen and things it, it looks like it's dead. We have this idea that just because we're a Christian, God's going to infuse energy and life and strength into us. But it's all dependent on being connected to Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Should be wrapping this up here. Um, let me ask you a question. What is your primary responsibility as a Christian? Is it to produce fruit? Or is it to be connected? I want to repeat that. What's your primary responsibility as a Christian? To serve Him or to be connected to Him? It's, it's not that serving Him is bad. It's not that doing things for God is bad. But the primary connection, the primary responsibility of a Christian is actually to be connected with Jesus. Now I want you to think about your life. Is it the one major passion of your life? Is it the most important thing? Is it more important than your job? Is it more important than your relationship? Is it more important than anything else you do? Because you see, Jesus says in this passage, for without me, you can do nothing. Do you believe that? Do you believe that if you get up in the morning and you're not connected to Jesus Christ, that the whole day is wasted? That if you do not have a plan to connect with Him throughout the day, maybe a special time where you pray, maybe a special time where you're in His Word, if that's not the highest priority of your life, then you are wasting your life. I am wasting my life. And then I want you to think about the evil one. What do you think he'll want to get rid of in your life to make you of no purpose, of no influence. Your time with Jesus. Your time with Jesus. Your connection time. Now, I don't mean that you have to be in constant prayer so that you, you know, basically never leave your house and you're on your knees all day. No, that's not it. It's that everything you do, 
there is a connection with Jesus. So in your work, you're connected to Jesus. You're calling on Him to help you. You're calling on Him for wisdom. You're asking Him, what should I do now? What is the next thing that I need to do? You live your life in perfect connection with Jesus Christ. It means in your relationships when you can't make things work. You're you're calling on Jesus and saying, Jesus, I need your strength. He says, Paul says, that our strength is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for thee. You see, all of Christianity is a relationship. It's a connection with Jesus. It is the most important thing that any human being can do. But it's the hardest, isn't it, if we're honest? Isn't this the thing that is the easiest to let go? It is. And so, how do you do this? In the most simplest sense, I, when I teach people to pray, I, Paul Johnson shared this with me. He said, just tell them STP. Remember, you put that in your engine, you know, makes it work better. STP. Sorry. Thanks, please. That's the simplest prayer, isn't it? Lord, I'm sorry for the stuff that I didn't do right. Thank you for all that you've done for me. Please, I need you to help me. That's how easy it is. You say, well, I don't have time to pray. Uh, This is my challenge to you. Uh, Read the Bible for four minutes and 59 seconds. Just That's it. Four minutes and 59 seconds. If, if, you have not, if you're not doing it now, then read it for that long. Can you, can you give up five minutes? Like, just don't brush your teeth someday or something. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You better always brush your teeth. Yes, that's bad. That wouldn't be good. Uh, and then for the next five minutes, sorry, thanks, please. So ten minutes. Or nine minutes and 59 seconds. It sounds better, doesn't it? Um, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to appeal to you and to me today to say, will our life priority be connection with Jesus Christ in everything we do, everywhere we are, at all times in our life? Let's pray that it is. Father, if there's any time that we need your help, it's this. I know the evil one wants to steal away this relationship that we have with you. But you are so much bigger and so much more powerful than the evil one. And so we uh, admit we can't do this without you. We need you to help us to be connected to you. We want to abide in you. We want you to prune our lives. We want you to get rid of everything that is draining away our energy and life and our connection with you. And Lord, we give you permission to prune us, however painful that is. And we commit ourselves to being connected to you from now on and forever. And we thank you for this wonderful relationship that makes life completely meaningful and for your plan to change us and to make us more and more like Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen.